Ain't that right, Dickie? Who are you calling Dickie? Jason Todd, more like Jason Turd. You think you're cool because you are the edgy Robin, but Tim Drake could school your ass in mystery solving any day. Anyway. Spoiler warning for Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Mature content warning. Rape and sexual assault are discussed in this so-called podcast. Welcome to episode 16 of the Horror of Babylon, where we are discussing the film adaptation of Batman, Gotham by Gaslight. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me as always is Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. And still with us, thank you again, Hef, for coming up a second time. We really appreciate it. Uh, We have Chris from our last episode. Say hi, Chris. Uh, Hi, Chris. Of course, I can't copy you, so it's just like, hi, Hef. I have. I have. How are you doing? I'm good. All right. I I just sucked up some helium. How are we? Apparently, Gingy from Shrek is here. Hey, it's relevant because we're going to be talking about, you know, the film adaptation, which did have a Zeppelin in it, which may have run on helium. No. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, the helium. Okay, so we're going to get right into some of our background information. Gotham by Gaslight was released in 2018. It was directed by Sam Liu who also directed, if you just look up his IMDb page, basically he's directed like every major DC animated feature from the past 10 years, but <laughs> he here are some some of them. The Killing Joke, Superman, Red Sun, Batman Year One. Also in Marvel, he did Planet Hulk and Hulk Versus, also Death of Superman. Uh, it was written... Did he do both of the Hulk Versus, like the Wolverine yeah, and Thor? Wolverine and Thor. I didn't know they had the same director. I really um, like Hulk versus. Yeah, I think Hulk versus is Hulk. great. Planet Hulk is also very good. Uh, pla- yeah, I've seen Planet Hulk. Yeah, uh, I think mate, similarly to Batman, the Hulk animated movies are maybe better than the Hulk live action movies. Hulk, Hulk versus was my first introduction to Deadpool and my brief years of obsession with that character. It was also my first uh, obsession with Deadpool. Yeah. So there's actually tangent already already on a tangent there's a recently they released a hulk doctor strange animated film that is a halloween themed movie where i forget who the villain is uh it's a doctor strange villain i wasn't super familiar with but he like comes out on halloween and he turns all the trick-or-treaters into real monsters and hulk and doctor strange have to deal with it and it it's not geared towards adults it's a little more geared towards kids but i thought it was super fun hulk smash puny children and take candy actually i'm just gonna give you guys the title of that also can we also approve steve blum as a wolverine yes Yes. he 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 is my wolverine and i love okay so there can be two wolverines but yes yes if there can be 50 batmans there can be two wolverines so, on uh, Wolverine recasting, what do you guys think of Tom Hardy? Um, I don't hate it. Hulk, Where Monsters Dwell is that one. I'd watch it. Yeah. 
Daniel Radcliffe should be Wolverine. Daniel Radcliffe? Why not? He got the, had that one where he had guns stapled to his hands. Why can't he have claws? Um, uh, I say Tom Cruise because he's the right height. Ooh. <laughs> no, that's horrible. I want Tom Cruise to be Green Lantern. So my my pick for Wolverine is a uh, Richard Armitage who played Thorn in the Hobbit movies. Okay, no, that's pretty good. I don't he like actually that. he plays Wolverine in the Wolverine audio podcast, audio drama podcast. I'm with the general majority that just thinks we should actually just inject Hugh Jackman with Adam. No, no, that's the first choice. I mean, that's the if that's possible, that's the first choice. Okay, back on topic. So, where are we? All right, so uh, written it was written by James Creek, who was it has a lot of TV credits. He's written for cartoons such as the Real Ghostbusters, okay. Spider-Man the Animated Series, Good. various Scooby-Doo projects, Love Mo- Monk, Ben Ten, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and a lot of Lego DC projects. That's uh. That's a pretty good resume. As far as DC animated features, he also wrote Justice League versus the Fatal Five, Batman and Harley Quinn, and The Death and the Return of Superman. Justice League versus the Fatal Five is one of those ones that I super simp over. So I'm, I'm starting to like this movie a little more than I did before. <laughs> okay, so what I want to do first is... Get, have everybody go around and say what their first encounter with the movie itself was. And we're going to start with you, Chris. First time you saw this movie, what were your thoughts? Have you watched it a lot since then? Just I watched it two or three times. Um, mainly just because I think it's like a standalone alternate universe Batman movie. Like I think it's pretty solid. Uh, DC Animated Universe, I think, really has a good tendency to have their films, like even when they're not good they're not great they're still okay like there's there's a general rule with dc animated features that you're still probably gonna moderately enjoy what you watch like there's not really too many just bad ones and i think this one kind of falls into that category as being like a good solid standalone feature that you know if you're if you're in based on what you all have told me is radically different as it seems from the book completely different yeah i feel like dc is also like especially with their animated films, they tend to take a pretty safe approach, which is like they're very formulaic in how they go about their deal. It's basically like you know, here's your introduction, fight scene. Here's your here's your little bit more story plot, fight scene. Like you know, just generally they keep a good pace. I think with a lot of their films, and this one like Gotham by Gaslight, I do feel like had a it had a good pace to it. There wasn't really any low points as far as like you getting bored during the plot um i think they streamlined a lot of the actual plot like it was very easy to follow very much just indicative of what dc animated movies have really kind of become it's just like you know here's your general plot let's just kind of follow this in a very streamlined manner and i think gotham by gaslight is a good example of dc animated universe taking just a decent foothold into again an alternative storyline to Batman which as we are I'm sure very well aware at this point Batman's kind of like their safe place mm-hmm. like you, it's really hard to fuck up Batman currently is, in DC's top uh, <clears throat> top selling books and all, all comic books in the top 50 sales mm-hmm. 
the only DC books are Batman books now. Mm. When I was still working uh, at the comic store, do you the la- the last time I remember looking up the sales numbers? Do you want to know what the highest selling DC character was? Who? Oh, it's Harley Quinn. Wasn't it? it was Harley Quinn. Yeah. It was Spider-Man for Marvel, which yeah. Spider-Man is basically always the highest selling Marvel one. But at the time, it was Harley Quinn. It was within a year or two of Suicide Squad coming out. Yeah. Last time I looked, and she's a character who is a offshoot from Batman. From Comics. Batman. From from yeah. the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Like because the guy who wrote on it was wrote it for it was just he just made her up. Yeah, he's like, like just, just randomly. <laughs> this will be my waifu and no one else's. How wrong was he? <laughs> Margot Robbie level wrong. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Daniel, what was your first experience with this movie? When was it? Just general thoughts on it. Uh, um, I just finished reading Gotham by Gaslight for the podcast, and I immediately went home for my thirteen-hour uh, shift and watched Gotham by Gaslight, the animated movie, and then hopefully passed out. <laughs> And then I was up for about five more hours, and then I finally slept. I'm sorry. That's, just, that's a hell of a drug. Yeah. And on your first watching, what were your just general thoughts? I thought it was better than the comic book. <laughs> I was like, this fixes a lot of the problems I had with the comic book. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun to watch. So my first experience was uh, Thursday during the day, so this, we're recording this on a Saturday, so two days ago, I, I reread uh, Gotham by Gaslight for, for the third time, or reread for the second time, read for the third time. Um, and then I I was trying really hard not to prejudge the movie based on what I knew of it. I really loved the book, and I was afraid I wasn't going to like the movie. I started watching it, and I watched about ten minutes didn't like those 10 minutes and then I turned it off I said okay I'll watch it tomorrow I was also not in a great mood that day I was afraid that I was going to watch it in a bad mood already kind of prejudging thinking I wasn't going to like it mm-hmm. and I was going to end up hating it so I turned it off and said I'll watch it tomorrow after a good night's sleep and I'll have a better opinion and then you and I went and saw the Batman <laughs> <laughs> Which I was literally afraid I was going to fall asleep during because I was so tired. <laughs> Did not fall asleep through the Batman, um, but it, without getting into all that, what it, I'm not going to get into my opinion on the Batman, except that it was too long. It, it, if they had to trim 30 minutes from Batman v Superman, they should have trimmed at least 20 from this movie. I, I think you could make a cut of that movie that's... 30 to 45 minutes shorter. I also, like, I also think it needed one or two rewrites to remove a couple of the subplots, but we talked about that. Right, okay. We're not, but we're not, talk, we're not talking about the Batman. Um, so I watched it yesterday, which was Friday, and... There's a lot of physicality happening on the other end of the mic. He's talking with his hands. A, a night's sleep and a day of waiting didn't really help my opinion with it, but... It wasn't until the end that I really got tipped over the edge. As I'm as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, you know, I don't think this is very good, but I also don't hate it. Like Hef was saying earlier, for me, even like a bad DC movie is still more entertaining than most things. Until they got to the end and I got 
I just totally went off, and I was so upset, so he, mad. He was messaging me at work. Uh, but <laughs> we're not going to talk about that now. We're going to continue on. Okay, so moving into structure, I'm going to throw to you, Daniel. How is the structure of the movie different from the structure of the comic? Uh, you don't get any of those like journal scenes. Uh, you don't get... I don't remember if they had any flashes of it. I don't remember any like newspaper clippings or things like that. Hef, do you have... Uh, I mean, it's same general like in again in film adaptation. Like, there's like I think they have a scene where like people are talking about yeah, him. Yeah, they, they but do it it's, a lot it, more it, audibly. It, yeah, like it's more of a you know hushed tones, like almost kind of year one stuff. Yeah, where they're, um, it's more just people. It jumps into him being the Batman a a lot sooner. Uh, I liked that because I like you said earlier where you know I mean you can only kill Thomas and Martha so many times. It's like killing Uncle Ben. We're really I, just tired of we, it at this point. I which was, was a great part of Spider-Man Homecoming where they just skip all that. Mm -hmm. I, I was glad that they skipped that. I was sad that I missed Freud. <laughs> I thought that it was missing a lot of those like uh, historical analogies. That, that, okay, and jumping into themes, that is kind of just, aside from Jack the Ripper himself, Sigmund Freud, Sherlock Holmes... Most of that is all just kind of excised from it. Yeah. Uh, they added the World Fair. They did add the World Fair, which, as we talked about in the last episode, is an element from the sequel, Master of the Future. And I thought it was good to combine those. Yeah, that was fine. When I started watching it, I was afraid that what they were going to do was mash the two stories together. Yeah. Which would have been even worse. That would have been bad. That would have been... I disagree with that. That would have been bad. Yeah. Which they didn't do, thankfully. Uh, so, themes that are in both the comic and in the movie, uh, Victorian London, a redesign of Gotham to be, uh, you know... With that, more Victorian. Yeah, more Victorian, the different architecture, the different costumes. Uh, Hef, when you first saw this movie, what was your, your thoughts and your opinion on the redesign of Gotham, the redesign of the bat suit, just in general. Go okay. Ahead. As far as like the actual like Gotham itself, I feel I do feel like in this movie a little bit more than most, Gotham was kind of another character. Like they had much more there's like they focused more on, you know, the world as it was seen in this particular universe. Because they kinda had to emphasize that mm -hmm. with the you know, like, the tone of, like, just the look of the buildings, the carriages, the horses, like, you know, just to make it of that Victorian era. So I think special attention needed to be made for that to be a believable concept in this film. So I think, honestly, like, as far as, like, a like a general just, like, background and even the color, like, the colors, like, and it's not, like, it's probably not as starkly different as what the book kind of makes you have, where you have those very whites and blacks and yellows and stuff like that because this is animation animation is you know actively moving so it has to do but i do feel like they did kind of keep that kind of just you know everything's in a in the dark of night things are kind of misty in this film which is something i liked um so i want to jump in there okay something that i was very critical of this movie yesterday that after sleeping on 
I've realized was an unfair expectation on my part and was never going to happen. In my perfect world, this movie aesthetically would have stood out from the other DC movies and would have also had a limited color palette and be very, you know, lots of blacks, whites, yellows, and, and dark browns and been like the comic and maybe had a different type of character design to be more similar to the comic. I was upset about that yesterday, but after thinking about it, one, that was never going to happen. Two, like you just said, it's animation, it's a different medium that would not have looked as good on the screen as it did in the page. But something they did do in the movie that they didn't, to kind of compensate for that, was add a lot of mist. You did like the mist. Which, the, I love the mist too. Um, which bunch of king nerds and yeah <laughs> uh we call ourselves the kingdom <laughs> i bet you do that has to be a podcast that name has to be taken uh i'm not aware of it uh we can't spin off a horror <laughs> podcast as a stephen king podcast can we <laughs> uh but yeah the, the mist itself in the film was a great tool to kind of compensate for that kind of lack of a color palette that was in the comic that they couldn't realistically put in the movie in addition, uh, I feel like the movie itself went it went more for a tone rather than most of the DC films. Like it kind of kept a, a darker tone, more like everything seemed more sinister to me in the film because because of just the way that they animated it, the mist and various just aspects of it, even the plot. Like the plot seemed just as almost as sinister as the tone itself of the of the film like I think I, and that's again we'll get to that I'm sure here in a bit I just as as a DC as a, not even just as a DC film but just as a general animation I think they did it right I think they got a lot of the tone right I think they animated very well taking from the source material now you did you asked about the costume I wasn't aware that World War II attire was available in the night in the 1890s but I could be wrong. Um, I think they tried, and this may be more me than new. I think because of the mist element, because of the tone, I think they went more steampunky with the film. Yeah. Than they did obviously with the book, because the the book it's from what I'm seeing just from the you know panels and the art and stuff like that. It does take a very much Victorian London aspect where you have those intense colors. So the, one of the things I think the film tries to do a little bit differently is it adds kind of a, a steampunky element to it so that it, the, the futuristic, not futuristic, that's a wrong word, the, the aesthetic is much more emphasized just because, again, it's, it's animation, it has to do a little bit more on the screen than what, you know, you can generally pick from the tone up of a book. So I... <laughs> he just pulled up a picture of... Selena Kyle, yeah. oh, I love her hair. Yeah. We're we're gonna get to and, Selena and his uh, his you know, like a bit, again, it's it's a DC animated film, so I mean, I feel like it's you know, I think the steampunky thing works as far as like him having gadgets yeah. and things like that. So I think I, if they're gonna do it that, if that's what they're out, they're gonna take. I think it's better they do it that way. I also think steampunk might be a little bit more acceptable in the mainstream than a lot of uh, Victorian age aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Also, this movie... For comic book nerds, anyway. This movie was made 29 years after the comic book was written. Yeah. 
Um, so some sensibilities have changed. Yes. Another thing that I was kind of upset about uh, on that first viewing was that, like I said, I really appreciated in the book where it's less and more, and Batman, you never get a good look at Batman, and he's more in the dark. You don't get a, a full costume. But after sleeping on it, again, that's kind of an unfair criticism because that just wouldn't have worked as well in an animated film. In a Batman movie, people want to see his costume. There are people have posters that are just Batman costumes throughout the years. Yeah. I, that's, that's something that people want to see. People want to see Batman interacting with people. And again, I, I liked in the book that he didn't have gadgets. Mm -hmm. But in an animated film, especially one that's as long as this one is, it's like 70 some minutes. It's hard to have Batman in that many action scenes and not have him have his grappling hook. I think a good compromise would have been like a more traditional grappling hook, like something a ninja might have used. Yeah, that, just just that, like a hook on a, on a line and throwing it instead of uh, he didn't use batarangs, but instead of batarangs, you throw a knife. I'm I'm you know, not sure he used any gadgets other, other than, than the, the grappling hook. I'm yeah. just giving examples. No, I, I think you're right. I think that would have been nice if he had the, just like the hook on a line instead of. That would that would have been my compromise. A lot of these animated films were like a subscribe, like I said, to what the is I would consider a safe approach. Yeah. Which is basically they know what people want, they know what people like. Yeah. This doesn't feel like a movie that needed as many action sequences as it had. I would have cut a couple of them out. Yeah. There is like the the last one is entirely too long, and then there's just if you would have kept the last one, I would have cut at least two of the others. Right. Like, and I think, but with DC animated films again you know they, they they go with their demographic so if I could offer a criticism as far as like animation versus the written like the written page it is that DC does have a tendency to run a little bit more on its action sequences not that I don't enjoy them but this is not a film that would have suffered from one less fight sequence or two. I, I do think that it's sort of funny as a hype as DC does for the Batman, how much they always build him up. He got his butt kicked a lot in this movie. He did. <laughs> but I honestly think that worked, though, like in this one. Because, I mean, he does, it's like you guys said, he, his gadgets aren't as, you know, over the top as what would be in, like, a Justice League film or anything like yeah. that. So, I mean, it is... I could, I, There's no I Batcopter. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, he I, hasn't mastered all 127 <clears throat> martial arts yet. So I mean, I again, that's 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 a slight grievance. But to be fair to the film, mm -hmm. that's a grievance I have with most DC, like Batman specific mm -hmm. films. So let me ask your your expert opinion here. Uh. Who decided it was the safe decision to have Bruce fuck Barbara in the Killing Joke? Apparently, Sam Liu. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't and it, uh, hold on. This is, this is the Gotham by Gaslight podcast. This is the Gotham by Gaslight podcast. This is not the Killing Joke podcast. You cannot know who created who Harley Quinn, because it was him. Paul something. Paul Dini, I believe, is his name. It has the other one, Tim something. Tim's, Tim, oh, shit. Tim, Bruce, no, it's Bruce Tim, I think. Bruce Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Somebody tried to call him out on a him <clears throat> out on it on a panel, mm. and he screamed at them. <laughs> this is my fan fiction. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we move into characters, or this could be our prelude into characters. 
based on the cover, I thought Zatanna was in this movie. <laughs> and I was disappointed. Like, well, first I was like, how the hell do they fit Zatanna into this movie? And then I was like, why is it Zatanna in this movie? She's on the cover. No, it's it's Catwoman. But I just, uh, yeah, I didn't think it was Zatanna. I was just like, that's an interesting choice for Catwoman. If I, if you see a woman, if she's in a DC movie and she has black hair and it's pinned up like that and she's wearing a top hat, I'm gonna think mm-hmm. Zatanna. If you, if you're, I mean, but I was also I, thinking I think, Batman. I, I think that's a sexist remark. And <laughs> honestly, if you look at that person in the cloak, there's very little woman that I'm looking at on that cloak. Okay. Now this this is me. She, I she is not a a Batman character, but I associate her with Batman, and that's because of the Justice League cartoon episode two. With uh, Batman and Wonder Woman, where she gets turned into a pig. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, un- that's, that's unlim- It's unlimited. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good. That, that, that's a good sequence. That I associate. Also, with Kevin Batman Conroy can fucking sing. Can we yeah. like gush about that for a minute? Oh yeah, you're right. Oh my god, Kevin Con- Conroy, come on our podcast and sing. <laughs> okay, so jumping into characters, uh, we're gonna throw to Hef first here. Uh, starting with the man, Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. the Batman. What, what are your thoughts on Bruce in this movie? Uh, Bruce Gr- Greenwood can do no wrong. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Greenwood is quickly becoming one of my favorite Batman. I, I like him. Like he's He's been like he's been winning me over like more and more. Like Red Hood. Yes. Like, oh my God. Yes. Like his, like, because he's been Batman a few times. And have you all... You, you know when Red Hood came out, people talked so much shit on him at the time. Fuck those people. I mean, that's... I just... That's I, arguably, like, the best one that they have. I, like, it's up there. Like, people love... one of the no, best ones People love the movie, but they talk shit on his voice acting uh, at the Bruce, time. Oh, Bruce Greenwood? Really? He's yeah. Captain Christopher fucking Pike. Screw these they people. They were like, just do... Just get Kevin Conroy again. Kevin Conroy yeah. is, is great. Yeah, but he is, but I, don't, I, don't, I, I agree. Don't beat him to death. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just telling you, like, based off of the stupid forums I right. visited at the time, that was, like, the general feedback was they should have gotten a different voice actor. Okay. And now everyone loves him. Yeah. Um, I, I just think he needed uh, people needed to give it time. But yeah, Bruce, Bruce Greenwood does awesome with this with this iteration of Batman. Um, as far as the Batman character, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to discuss. There's like it's unlike with you. What you guys were talking about, where like he has that dynamic personality difference in the book. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in this film. Like he he doesn't like it's just because again I don't think the bo- I don't think the movie is really gearing towards that like you like you guys said it's it's about you know <clears throat> in the book there's more of a a personality shift because he trained with Freud to be able to understand you know the human psyche and how he knows that there can't be a correlation between Batman and Bruce Wayne. This movie, since it doesn't have that, it's not necessary in the film to me for him to have that dual personality. It bugs me. It yeah. bugs me that it doesn't. And to be fair to this movie, it also isn't three hours but it, long. But he's also and also consider like the time for like I think again it's that Victorian era kind of form of respect, I guess. Yeah. Like gentlemen were gentlemen, right? So you didn't have really a lot of these people acting out and doing all this stuff. So Bruce is being in the sense a realistic 1890s gentleman. Quick side tangent here. Bruce Greenwood has has played Batman fewer times than I would have thought. He was I think of four. under the red 
Under the Red Hood, and then also Death in the Family. Uh, Young Justice, Gotham by Gaslight, and I think that's it. You all watch Young Justice? Yeah. yeah. Love it's, good. It's, good. it's good stuff. Love Young Justice. Yeah. That's a quick aside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Those are the only... Su- Superboy is best boy. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not just my Superman fanboys, and I love the ways written in that show. Yeah, I like it. There's a lot of stuff I like about it. Um. Anyway, what was the original question? <laughs> no, just your uh, Daniel. Oh, no. What are, What are your thoughts on, on Batman or Bruce in this movie? I, I think it did an okay job. Um, I would have liked to see him as Bruce Wayne a little bit more, but just like a tad more. I really would have liked to see him with Freud or Sherlock Holmes, just anybody. Um, one of the things I did enjoy about this movie quite a bit is Bruce, Selena, and Harvey going out on the town. That was a great sequence. I, I really like that scene, especially uh, Bruce disguising Selena just as a man. Just puts a hat on her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was fooled by my dis- my by my disguise. Well, I own the place, so it doesn't matter. That's that to me. That's very Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, have you seen like the theatrical cut of Justice League? We saw it together opening night in theaters. Did we? Yeah. It was God. so we bad. To, it was uh, so bad. They don't remember. You. We went to Bob Evans before with your mom and baby penis. Huh. Uh, and Beck and Emma. And the, and I thought that was Batman v Superman. I'm pretty sure it was Justice League. I don't know. My timeline's confused. Because because Emma went with us, but she did not go with us to Batman vs. Superman on opening night. Okay. But. Because she was a little older for Justice League. When Batman at the end goes, I bought the bank. Mm hmm. It's just, it's a Batman thing to say. It's a Batman comment. Yeah. So that was a great scene. Where he, where they're at the World Fair and they're having the impromptu city council meeting. Yeah. And he, he walks up, he's like, I'm just checking to see how you guys were spending my money. Yeah, it's a, it's a big dick billionaire move. It reminds me of something uh, like a non-cringy Elon Musk might say. <laughs> so. Okay, so... Uh, another character here with more to talk about because she was not in the book as a named character yeah as a named character is selena kyle aka the catwoman daniel go ahead and kick us off what do you what do you think like one putting her in the story at all and two how was she in the movie itself i think if you're going to add a character she was an easy one to add um didn't distract from the story they kind of kept, uh, I don't know if it was Frank Miller who wrote her as a prostitute. In year one, yeah. Year one. Okay, yeah. so that was Frank Miller. Um, she, I don't know if she was a prostitute in this movie, but kind of a showgirl. Uh, not really all that well respected. She, she almost gave me the feel of being like a madam. Like the woman who runs the brothel. Yeah. She kind of uh, was written as a person who wasn't respected by all the rich men around her. But she was still surviving and caring about the people who were in her neighborhood and her lives. Because Jack the Ripper's going around murdering poor women. That's very Selena Kyle. And if you're going to interject Selena Kyle into a Jack the Ripper story, they did a very good job with it. That is also the character I would tell you to eject in this story. That That's a an element of year one, is that she's defending other prostitutes. Yeah. And with no spoilers mm-hmm. that's a huge element in the batman yeah. is that she's defending 
women who are being treated by this old boys club in Gotham. Yeah. Um, if that if that's a, if you're going to add a character to this type of story, Selena Kyle's the one I would tell you to add, and not just because she's probably the most marketable Batman love interest. She is. I mean, they had the whole wedding thing. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a fiasco. It was. But. <laughs> I'm still mad at Tom King. Half your thoughts on Catwoman in Gotham by Gaslight? Uh, I think it's another DC safe move. Yeah. Um, main like like you said, she's an easy inclusion. I'll tell you what the biggest reason I think she was added to the film for is because we are now in uh, it's 2022. You know, everybody has you know we, we, women's rights are at the forefront of a lot of things. Even now, even though they have technically been solved back in the 70s or whatever like that, right? I love the quotation well, marks that no one can see. <laughs> <laughs> because, Either, because they haven't. Because, but, yeah. but my point about it is that DC likes to have strong female characters and it's important that they have these strong female characters because for the most part, comics as a rule have been male dominated. And I think Gotham by Gaslight is one of those films that if you were to not include someone like Selena Kyle, it's just a bunch of women being murdered. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> so I feel like adding Selena Kyle to this movie is—it's a safe move for them, and it fits along with the paradigm of you know, less of a woman of ill repute and more of you know, a, just a strong, powerful female that is able to fit into this elseworld view that is Batman. Catwoman was pro sex worker before it was cool. I think it's particularly important for this specific DC story to insert a strong female character because the premise of the story is women being victimized. Mm -hmm. And there are really no female characters in the book. Granted, it was written in 1989. It's 52 pages long. They didn't really have... It's not something that they were thinking about or had an opportunity to do. But the whole premise is that women are being murdered. Putting another a female character in into the story uh, that's trying to actively do something about that. It's important for women not to feel, or not to. It's, I mean, it's obviously it's important for women not to feel helpless. But it's also important that you know the media that is you know coming up on a story like this that could be rather sensitive has something to play off that. It's just like as a counteraction to your you know, your your women being beaten or slaughtered, whatever that is, it only makes sense to me to have a female character that is on the opposite spectrum of that leading the charge against someone like that. Okay, so like the book, Alfred is not heavily used in this story, but uh, do you have any do you guys have any thoughts generally about I really don't have anything to add to Alfred. Do you have anything to add to Alfred? No. He was Alfred, but he wasn't really... They, they focused on the characters that they included more than like building up characters. I think every Batman story. movie should have one required Alfred Pennyworth quip. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts on the Robins? I actually liked them. Uh, one of the things that I thought the story, the, uh, the graphic novel was missing was... An inclusion of something like that. I think it went a little too far. I would have only had like one of the Robins. Instead of all three of them? Instead of all three of them yeah. being orphans at the same time. I get why they did that. I think it if it would have been good if it was just Jason. If it, Jason would have been my pick. I would have accepted any of them as like 
orphans who this is what happens if Batman wasn't around to take them at the time. Um, all three of them at the same time, I thought was a little much. Uh, but that was like a little something I would have liked in the graphic novel or in the comic book. That's Again, the, with the number of pages they have. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that they kind of had a little character arc. With Alfred. Yeah, with Alfred. Oh, no, you don't have to steal from me. Just come over. I'll get, you work for me and I'll give you food. Thank you, Mr. Billionaire. <laughs> I guess he's a billionaire's butler, but still. Uh, he's have, upper management. Have, what did you think of the boys Dick, Jason, and Tim? I think people like Easter eggs. Yeah. I like Easter eggs. So. That, that, my initial thought on the first, like that, just that first scene before I saw the whole movie is that it was a little jarring for these three street rats to be named after our initial three Robins. Kind of pulled me out of it like at the end of The Dark Knight Rises where Joseph Gordon-Levitt was... They call me Robin. <laughs> yeah. It gave me that feeling. They... It got better throughout the movie because obviously the three of them weren't fleshed out a lot, mm. but you did get to see that the one named Dick was kind of the leader and the more level-headed one, and the one named Jason was the more aggressive one. So that made me feel better about it. And Tim Drake existed. <laughs> I, I really like Tim Drake. <laughs> I, do, I like Tim Drake too, but... DC shafts him a lot. He does. I mean, which I understand because Dick Grayson is Robin. Yeah. And then Jason Todd is the, the bad boy Robin. Is the edgy Robin. Yeah. And Tim Drake is the other one. And then Damian Wayne's in a lot of modern stories. And he's literally Batman's son. Because he's Batman's son. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I like Tim Drake because he, he was obsessed with Batman's detective skills and he wanted to be the student because he liked the detective part of Batman, which is what I always like about Batman. Uh, all right, that's a tangent. That's a tangent. Um, yeah, it's an appropriate tangent, though. So we're, we're going to move on to our next character and huh. I, I'm going to kick it off because I started this movie Thursday... <laughs> And I have so many comments already. <laughs> I watched two minutes of it, I paused it, and I texted Daniel, and I said, starting the movie with a strip tease by Poison Ivy with the chest of a 12-year-old boy was the decision they made. You know, for our podcast that was just talking about how important women are. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say it was a flawless execution. I just <laughs> said it wouldn't know what they were trying to do. My, when I saw this, my opinion was, it looks like they tried to desexualize her by giving her a flatter chest while making her do a striptease. And I'm sitting there like, at that point you should just draw her as Poison Ivy if you're going to include this scene. My honest opinion is that it would have been less distracting if she just wasn't Poison Ivy. She was just a woman. I, I liked her as Poison Ivy. I did not like her as mysterious flat-chested Poison Ivy. Pamela, she, Poison Ivy would not have just stood there and let herself get stabbed to death. It, but it probably would have happened if she didn't have superpowers. I, I still think if if you if you're assuming that the characters are still personality wise the same as they are in in the main stories, yeah, she would have tried to fight. She would have tried to resist. She wouldn't have just stood there and gotten stabbed. Which is, I know for the for the story, 
that's what would have worked, but I, I just don't think she should have been Poison Ivy. He should have made it Harley Quinn getting stabbed to death, and then this would have been the best movie ever. I would have also <laughs> preferred it to be Harley Quinn. Uh, to me, it was strictly just like an art thing that I found distracting. You're literally sexualizing a character, but trying to draw her less sexual, sexy at the same time. That also bothered me. On top of it shouldn't have been Ivy at all, or if it was going to be Ivy, she should have at least like tried to fight him a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Not that a... I'm a I'm not a Poison Ivy fanboy. I just don't think it's an accurate depiction of the character. Before we get into Jack the Ripper, it would have been funny if they would have had Joker be Jack the Ripper and then stab Harley Quinn to death. But <laughs> have anything to add to the Poison <laughs> Ivy discussion? Uh, I mean, are you feeling itchy? Scratchy. I mean, only from the aloe vera that must be coming from the now stabbed version of her. Um, unnecessary to even have her. Unnecessary inclusion. In fact, the very fact that you bring Pamela Isley into the idea of being the prostitute in here is just... That's an Easter egg nobody needs. Yeah. I just don't see the point. That, that And I'm, I'm like you. It's like, if you're going to put a DC villain, like... Or just a you know a notable DC character in here. Why would you do it that way? Yeah, and that's <laughs> like, what they did. They do the it's not necessarily thing. inclusion. They like, they do the same thing with Selena, hmm. but Selena tries to fight back because hmm. that's what Selena would have done. Okay, so, so some other minor characters, uh, the nun. Uh, I, do, I do not hate any movie that includes a nun. Yeah, I was going to throw to you because you're <laughs> the, the de facto nun guy. The de facto nun guy. I have, I have a nun fetish. I am not ashamed of it because I don't kink shame. You still haven't watched Fire Force, have you? No. We call no. people like I don't you. Think, we call I don't people think we're like going to get through it. We call people like you nunchucks. <laughs> really? You That's can't see great. what I'm doing. <laughs> That's great. I'm gonna, I want that to be the official term. Nunchuck. Uh, she wasn't bad. Uh, I don't know how I, I I just don't know how I feel about uh, inventing characters inventing characters uh, they needed another woman to die that was noticeable that so Bruce Wayne could have his no so, moment I guess that that's the thing though is all of the women who die in this movie are characters the the old lady who tried to blackmail him the nun poison mm -hmm. ivy I think that Bruce Wayne having a personal connection to so many of the victims was a little, I don't want to say comic booky, but it was very cliche. Um, I, I liked that the person who tried to blackmail him got murdered, because that's a, that's a good way to put it on Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, but you are you had that plus the nun. I don't know. Do you know, um, what, you know what the name of the priest was? I don't remember. It's a Stephen King connection. Father Callahan. Oh. That's cute. Yeah. So, alright, I've been avoiding it. Uh, somebody else talk about Jim Gordon. I thought it I thought it was a brilliant move. I thought it was dumb as shit. <laughs> Hell, a tiebreaker. <laughs> um I called it in the first thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah. I thought um, it was I thought it was Harvey. Um, I, I, I no. realize now I was supposed to think it was Harvey. I, I, I called it in the first 30 minutes. Now, while that may have been, like, I liked that twist. I thought it was just a, because Jim Gordon is such the Boy Scout. Everything in general, like, <laughs> fandom from Jim Gordon, there's very few, like, I, like, like, year one is good because it shows Gordon as a man. Yeah. To, to me, year one 
isn't a Batman story. No, it's a Jim Gordon story. <laughs> Absolutely. And I liked that with this one, they gave, you know, I, I like when they, again, I like when they tweak things. Like, something that's different from the norm. I, uh, I'll tell you why I liked it. Okay. Uh, for the past 15 odd years, all I have gotten is, hey, what if Superman was a bad guy? But how often do they do that with literally anyone else? So I got to see this and go, oh, okay. So they actually, tri they went for something. <laughs> I also like that they made it like... I, uh, th I don't like his motivation even nearly as much as uh, the comic book ripper. It's funny, in the 52 pages of the comic book, they better explain the motivations of the killer than in the 70 minute movie. I, I agree with that. That is, that, uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, that's my coons. Yeah. Is the explanation? Uh, my king is actually gonna be like, Jim Gordon. I like the river. <laughs> I like. I like the altar. Like yeah. again, I like the alteration. I like when they try something. I, I like the. I like the little room he had, with like the pictures. Oh, there's him in his boxing stance. And if you read a lot of Batman comic books, Jim Gordon is a guy who's had to take care of himself. It, it was. It was a little bit long Halloweeny. Yeah. In the way they did it, I think. It was, uh, because it, his wife's also on board with it. Like just like, just like um, that that part he I can burn did. my face he and because he's right because he's right. Oh my god, that was bad. <laughs> to be fair, that's also something that happens to people. Yeah, <laughs> Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome is a very real thing. I like the choice just because I feel like it's one of those things where do you really have a lot of other options? I, I think it was the one like the one real risk this movie took, and mm -hmm. I think it was to its benefit. I agree. I agree. I'm really bad <laughs> at seeing who the killer is. It and I've read every Sherlock Holmes stories that that's been published. I I've read you know the Kendaichi case files, Detective Conan. I've read Agatha Christie. I almost never guess who it was. Okay, without without spoilers. The Batman, for half the movie, I was convinced that the Riddler was the person who got shot at the end of the movie. Huh. I, I thought the Riddler was that person for forever. Okay. So I'm bad at establishing these things. <coughs> I'm not upset because I was wrong, because I thought it was Harvey Dent. I realize now that the, it was written in a way that you're supposed to think Har it was Harvey Dent. Yeah, it's a red herring. Yeah. I'm mad because because Jim Gordon is probably my favorite Batman character. <laughs> and that's basically based off of year one and him being the uncorruptible cop. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it was a bad decision or that it was written poorly. I'm saying that I personally didn't like it because I love Jim Gordon and fuck you, Sam Liu. <laughs> If we were talking about if we're talking about, if we're talking about the killing joke, then yes, fuck you, Sam Lou. Yeah, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch it again when I get home to spite you guys. I'm, you go I right ahead. It. You're the only one that suffers for that. I, I like the killing joke movie. I just fast forward through the, the first, first thirty, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, oh, I pause. Um, for what? The balcony scene that everybody thinks is awkward? Yes. <laughs> you fucking creep. You just described like half of my dating life. <laughs> I may have been on board with this decision if it was a different character. Like, I don't know. Like, like if they did it with Alfred. Or Alfred would have also oh, been a choice. That would have been cool. Al and he's also British, so he would have been in England, because that's where they all live. 
or uh, obviously he, he wasn't just he wasn't in it but if they did it with red fox that could have been a thing he wasn't like yeah he wasn't in it but yeah. um I, I am glad that it wasn't one of the uh and i talked about this when we talked about the comic one of the usual sp- suspects uh the, the only way the jo- it would have been cool if it would have been the jokers if you got to kill harley quinn because that would have been funny i i love the joker he's like the iconic not only batman villain but he's the iconic comic book villain yeah but he doesn't have to be in every batman story doesn't have to be in every batman story they didn't make it victor's ass i thought for like the briefest of moments i was like "Ah, is it gonna be hugo strange until he got ripped and then i was like "Uh, but that was one of the things i also really liked about this movie was how does Jack the Ripper stay one step ahead of Batman? Oh, he's literally been beside Batman this entire movie, and Batman's been asking him for his advice. You know what should have tipped me off? Where I initially got really mad, but should have tipped me off, is when Bruce got accused and Jim didn't believe him. I immediately went, Jim Gordon would is always on Bruce Wayne, is always on Batman's side. Like, there's no way that Jim Gordon would believe this shit. But well, he was the killer, so he this was is super. Good. This is super convenient. <laughs> but I was, I had a very emotional reaction to that, so I wasn't thinking. As much as I didn't like this movie, it did. I did have a lot of emotional reactions to it, so that I was engaged the whole way through, <laughs> except for like the last because you were texting me at work the whole time. <laughs> I, was, I was pausing and constantly like this fucking stupid movie, um, and I was going in the, the freaking nurses station like every few minutes, going, "Jesus, dude, what's going on? <laughs> You're not watching the same movie." Except for, um, I, I agree with what Hef said earlier. That whole last fight scene was way too long i was actually i actually put it on 1.5 speed for the last 10 minutes because i just didn't care i think that i agree i think the last fight scene should have been shaved by a couple minutes i probably would have even cut the zeppelin fight scene yeah there was and that's another thing is like they just and hef was touching on this earlier too many fight scenes the fight scenes were really over the top not that i i don't like over the top fight scenes but to me it just wasn't the kind of story that demanded that yeah i did like watching the way uh especially after you see like the picture of jim gordon and his boxing stance when you watch jack the river he's literally fighting like one of those old timey boxers with his uh i don't even know what you call the stance yeah backwards fist how about you stance (laughs) um all right so we're moving on from characters into scary shit scary shit scary shit it is time to talk about scary shit what shit was scary what shit was not it is time to talk about scary shit in comparison to the comic and on its own merits what horror elements were in this movie and was it scary i think the only uh sort of uh horror elements that exist in this is the idea that there's a serial killer going around it wasn't even really framed as a horse it was framed more of like a uh a mystery. I, I think it lost a lot of the horror elements that are I, in this. Like I, I, can, I, I think the art helped with the horror feel of the comic book. The comic book, I can definitively say, this is a horror book. This is a horror story, even though it's not scary. Yeah. This is more like horror adjacent. Yeah. Um, all, with the <sighs> exception... This is a lot more gory and more violent. Like the stabbing scenes, 
you, you when Poison Ivy got stabbed, you got the feeling that that was a woman who was being stabbed. Yeah, yeah. that was more visceral yeah. than anything. The comic, as we've established, is more about less is more. It's like when you hear a story about someone getting stabbed 67 times and you don't have a concept of that until it's on the screen in front of you. Yes. Did, yeah. he, did he die? <laughs> uh, it's like, it's one of my favorite jokes from a TV show. Like, I can't remember a TV show. It's just literally, like, someone comes in and like, guys, this person, da 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 they got shot 110 times and the first thing somebody, did he die? <laughs> He got shot 110 times. Yeah, yes, he fucking he, died. He's super dead. <laughs> one of my favorite lines from a TV show. So we're back to Elliot Roger, one of the, his victims he stabbed like 90 times. Uh, wasn't his roommate? It was his roommate. Shit. He stabbed his roommate 90 times. I wish you wouldn't have made me watch that. <laughs> because he wanted to use his uh, apartment as a torture chamber where he would lure beautiful people in to kill, but his roommates were there, so they were in the way, so he killed his roommates, who were nerdy Asians. I mean, make an omelet. They were probably, like, in their rooms playing Pokemon Red and Blue on their Game Boys, and he's over there writing a manifesto about how women are... Everywhere. Well, this happened when we were in college. I don't know which Pokemon was out then. No, but in, in college, it was cool to, like, pull oh, out Oh, like your... retro games. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's yeah. true. Okay, uh, so moving on to one of my favorite sections... we talk about sex in relation to the stories that we read and watch. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Hef, and talk about in general, not only in Gotham but ga by Gaslight, but just in DC movies in general, I feel like there's a lot of injection of sex scenes that don't exist in the comic books that they're based on. What's your thought on that in general and also specifically in regards to Gotham by Gaslight? Okay. Uh, We'll do. We'll go with Gotham first, and then I'll brought out to um, DC. Because, spoiler alert: the, the sex scene in the stagecoach. Well, one, Selena's not in the book. Two, there's no sex scene. <laughs> so go ahead. Okay. I, I, it, like being a, it's a, it's a you know film about Jack the Ripper. You would immediately think that there's going to be like some sex sequences or something, like, or even just like a general sexual undertone that would be taken know, with yeah. it. Yeah, because. You know, it's 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 a misogynistic idea. Is you know he's just killing women, so I mean obviously you think you know misogyny is not too far away from like you know sexual deviancy, but you know th this movie doesn't push that. I mean it's basically there's a guy running around killing women. Why is he killing women? They're easy targets because he's bigger than them. Like it's not it's not. In being prostitutes and various things like you know the tones of the Jack the Ripper theme, they're still people like, and they're still like people that are getting killed. So I mean, it's one of those things where I don't think I don't think anything that was I don't think there's anything that was overly pushed as far as like a sexual undertone or anything like that because there didn't really need to be at least from my perspective of it. As far as DC in general, I think we also have to keep in mind that I think the reason there's not a whole lot of sexual undertones is because it's DC. DC is still, I think, holds on to an older style of beliefs as far as general 
awareness as far as like sexual sexuality in terms of like it's in, in, in now specifically in terms of its home media I have input for this but it's basically more about the fans than it is the writers mm-hmm. there's an entire reddit of uh, fans and it's mostly female fans mm-hmm. and uh, gay fans where they talk about who draws Dick Grayson's ass the best <laughs> I mean fans are freaks yeah I mean, no, this isn't a criticism. <laughs> it just made me think of that. So, I mean, I don't. I, I, I am. I'm sure that's not. I am wrong. a Star Wars freak. I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> um, I have my own opinion over who draws Dick Grayson's ass the best. So, before I continue with my point, I need to know who your answer is. Jim Lee. Jim Lee. Yeah. Okay. That's Jim Lee's like a god though. <laughs> anyway, it's because it's home media. I think they still have like this. And it's not not that it's a bad thing. They still have like an old world. I know what you're fucking looking up over there. I hate you for it. Damn. <laughs> he got this from uh, Batman he, R.A.P. He got, he got them glutes. The fuck. Yeah, literally, it's like a whole subgenre of fans. Uh, fans have a tendency to sexualize things more than artists intend. I agree with that. Um, there, there is um, a lot of undertones, especially when editorial won't let people write what they want. You mean like when everybody's like, Kylo Ren and Ray should fuck. And they fucking made them kiss in the light. Never mind, go. Keep going. <laughs> uh, again, it's, you know, DC I think still attributes it's, it's animation. So like since animation is still, I think most people assume animation is primarily geared towards children or teenagers. So I think that they intentionally don't go as far as they could. <laughs> but I, I would say, like, specifically the DC animated films often add sex that doesn't exist in the comics they're adapted Okay, okay um, example I'll take from that is Batman Harley Quinn. I haven't watched that one. Goofy. It's a <laughs> goofy, weird... I was bizarre the, one. I was literally the only person who was a fan of that. So. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it, it, it's basically... Harley like, Quinn like, rapes Dick Grayson. There you go. I've seen memes of that. Yep, it happens. <laughs> now, I will, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, Batman Harley Quinn is basically, if you took <laughs> Batman the Animated Series, like the new adventures of Batman... And let just and, Bruce and, Tim write his... And, and, and let, Bruce Tim, let Bruce Tim see, like, it's finally time to get Harley laid. Like, that's basically what that was. Well, he needed to explain uh, who was the father of Harley Quinn's children so she could get to Batman Beyond. I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't bring up Batman Beyond. We'll be, here, we'll be here all night. That's, like, that's my subgenre of Batman that I am a part of that I'm very, very fond of. Terry McGinnis. I love Batman Beyond. I love, ta- I love Batman Beyond. Yeah. I'm upset oh. that they might not do Batman Beyond as a movie. Now. I know. Anyway... I think, again, as far as, like, sex as a rule, I think DC tries to kind of keep things... I think the animated universe tries to keep it... I would like, aside from, you know, the rapiness of the, uh, you know, Batman, Harley Quinn, they keep it as pretty much as PG as they possibly could. And then Harley Quinn, the series, came out, and it was just like, yeah, you know what, whatever. I'm going to disagree here, because I feel like every time I watch a new one of these... They're always adding a sex scene when one didn't exist 
Uh, I think you're. Uh, it's the level I, of sex scene, though. I'm, I mean, they're not graphic sex scenes. That's that. No. That would be where I would differ. Maybe it's because of the like, number of DC Im- comics I read, but I think they have a lot of sex in their comics. Im- or a lot like, of like. Yeah, but I'm stuff. talking about specifically the ones that are being adapted as movies. Oh yeah, they add sex scenes because they want a sex scene. For I mean, the, the Killing Joke is the only one. That's I can, the, that's the that, worst. Like one. the Killing Joke, and then like in Gotham by Gaslight, also the whole the whole stagecoach thing that not in not in it at all. And the uh, and in Red Sun they they add the whole lesbian um, Wonder Woman thing that's not in the book at all. I think and that's just more them trying to be proactive rather than, like again didn't not necessarily the best executed, but again I feel like that's just more them trying to be proactive towards the LGBTQ community. Well, may, maybe for the Red Sun one, yes, but not the. Not I love the that Ryan is just yeah. still looking up comic book asses right now. <laughs> I mean, you guys know I have a porn addiction, but. I'm assuming it's your turn then, because that's pretty much my point. I think they still stay PG as far as their sex scenes, just because they don't want to... Because once you pass that gap, you know, can you really not have that? And that, then it becomes a thing, and nobody really wants that. Do you have anything to add to that, Daniel? I think in recent years, DC has been a lot more open in their sexuality, but it's uh, unfortunately mostly been to its detriment, and that is all I am going to say because I will not have any popular opinions on the subject. I think that they have very actively tried to be progressive, which is admirable, and in their attempt to do so, they have represented bisexual men very poorly, almost exclusively as cheaters. You cannot, oh, you can't just grab a bisexual man without actually showing him kiss a man. That doesn't matter that he's in a relationship. Bisexual men need to kiss men. That's how you know. Sorry, that's, that's my tangent for DC. Mm. Uh, do better <laughs> with how you represent how you represent people. You got anything to add, Ryan? Are you still over there? No, my <laughs> what I what I said to you was, was my. I was based, I was mostly thinking of uh, of Killing Joke and also the the stagecoach scene. While while funny was was completely kind of just out of nowhere for me. And this, although I I loved how how easily Bruce got into the excuse me, officer. But that was very Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, I, I also like that him having uh, sex with Selena was what led Selena to being unable to get Harvey Dent to help her. <laughs> you want to talk about it? So I can't help you. You're an, you're a grown adult with your own relationship. Oh my God! Are you Stephen King? No, I'm Dean Koontz. Oh. Okay, um, Kings and Kuntzes. Uh I'll go ahead and kick this off. Uh, my king of this film. Never mind, I'm not going first. <laughs> Daniel, go ahead. Uh, my, my, my king was Jim Gordon being Jack the Ripper. Oh, I know my Kuntz. <laughs> and, and my Kuntz was them not having enough of like the, uh, the historical parallels like Freud or Sherlock Holmes. Yes. F. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My king is, as I said earlier, I feel like this movie was intentionally structured and designed with a steampunky slash Victorian era environment in mind. I think that was important to set the actual tone of the tone of the movie. Um, I liked that general. I like steampunk in Victorian era. So th- much like you had strong feelings for you know, like the Jim Gordon or whatever, stuff like that. 
I have just had a real good feeling from the tone of the movie because it's it's that Victorian era, it's that steampunky aspects that I really enjoy steampunk more than others. I'm one of the few who have watched Last Exile more than three times. And I, think I, I don't think I made it past episode three. My point. <laughs> but I like I love I li- Steam Boy though. I li- I like those aspects of things, and I think that set the tone really well. And Bruce Greenwood, as usual, just knocks it out of the park. I've never been a particular fan of the steampunk genre. I do think aesthetically it worked in this movie. As far as my coots, just cut down on the fight scenes, DC. Like we don't need that like that many in that excessive amount. I think I didn't like that he had like four different interactions with uh, Jack the Ripper, and mm-hmm. that it was almost like this like Team Rocket thing where. Or they're just like Ash and Team Rock just bouncing off each other like four different times until... Yeah. Um, That's copyrighted material! <laughs> um, where he's obviously... <laughs> <laughs> the, in the book, like, the first time when Batman finds Jack the Ripper, it's over. There's no fight, it's just over. Obviously, that wasn't going to work in a 75-minute movie. They had to have more interactions than one but it was definitely too many yeah uh king i think my favorite part of the movie is probably selena kyle i i thought she was great uh coons is jim gordon uh and i'm not going to say any more about that and honestly i didn't even really explain a lot on that but mostly because i think it's an emotional thing for me more than a rational thing that makes sense that's fair yeah Okay, so I gave you both a homework assignment. Uh, if you could commission an Elseworld book, be it Batman or or other DC characters, uh, what would it be? Chris, we're going with you first. Well, seeing as how I just learned what Elseworld was today, <laughs> because I didn't do my homework, <laughs> even though I printed this off. Daniel, you ago. always do your homework. Go first. Okay. Uh, I, I would do a Superman story. Uh, big surprise. Uh, but I would incorporate Batman. I would like to... Uh, instead, Is he a terrorist? No, instead of uh, Krypton exploding, Earth does, and Batman is sent to Krypton. Ooh, that'd be interesting. That, and, that is, and he's adopted by uh, Jor-El. Not even... I mean, just because, well, one, you get to see Batman on, on Krypton, but also you get to see Clark... Well, not even Clark. Cal-El... Raised by his legitimate parents. Yes, and that is that would be that would be the Elseworld story you, I would commission. You would think that would have been done by now. Uh, as far as I have been able to find, that has not been done yet. Yeah, I would read that. I would read that for sure. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, if I were to have one, as far as just general, I like the. Uh, I'm like yeah, I like Jim Gordon. Like as a role, I've always enjoyed the idea that Jim Gordon would have a superhero persona. He did for a while. For, like, just something yeah, something in that ball. Yeah. The mech. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of, like, alternative history, things like, like that. I, <laughs> I don't know. I would need to think about that. But I, have, I, uh, I do have... I, I, I like the... Again, I'm, I'm a fan of the idea of superheroes altered, origins altered, just a bit. Just, just like a hair. Yeah, and, and then like in ones like this one where it's just like the story didn't need to change. Yeah. All that needed to change was 
the year. Yeah. And I, so stuff like that, I, I enjoy things like that. So mine is actually not Batman either. Uh, mine is uh, my second favorite DC superhero, uh, Wonder Woman. I was going to say Plastic Man. I love... No, okay, <laughs> if, if, we're not, if it's not Wonder Woman... Plastic Man is great, but it would either be the question or the question I love or Booster Gold. Definitely, I remember him from Limited. Yeah. Oh my God, I love Booster Gold. Was also pretty ball. (laughs) (laughs) He was the ball. Blue Beetle's cool too. I like Blue Beetle. Uh, Who are the uh, the two guys? Hawk and Dove. Yeah. Yeah. Hawk and Dove. Yeah. All right. So Wonder Woman. So. I've read a lot of Wonder Woman, not as much as Batman, but I've read a fair bit. A lot of her stories, or maybe close to all of her stories, come with her being raised on Themyscira and then going out into man's world and how she interacts with humanity. I would like to see Wonder Woman, who maybe she was lost as a child like maybe like she was dropped in the ocean accidentally as a child and found a baptism gone wrong <laughs> and and found by some people on a ship wonder woman raised in the real world and then discovering her home or something and then like you know yeah. discovering oh, okay. like her her ancestry and and making it back to themiscira feminism's a thing <laughs> that would be great well, that that's the thing is, yeah. does she does she grow up the same? Does she grow up to be the Diana we know, or is she a different Diana? No, I would read that. Yeah, she's still hooking up with Batman in my image of it. I mean, I also accept that. So. <laughs> I ship that. I ship, ship pretty hard. I, I ship Justice League like Batman Wonder Woman. I thought yeah, that was no, I that that I, was a great episode. I thought that was fun. Okay, so um. Moving on to some further reading, if you enjoy uh, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, some more Elsewhere titles, uh, Batman Book of the Dead by Doug Mensch, that's the Egyptian one I really enjoy, Batman Nosferatu by Jean-Marc Lofficier, Uh, the Just Imagine books by Stan Lee are great, Superman Red Sun by Mark Millar is one of my all-time favorite comic books. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And... Uh, some more Batman titles that aren't alternate histories, but have a similar tone and feel to Gotham by Gaslight. Batman Gothic by Grant Morrison. Batman The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb. Um, and as I mentioned in our last episode, if you want to know more about Jack the Ripper, check out season three of the Unobscured podcast by Aaron Mankey, who is the guy who does lore. It's a deep, deep dive on the real history of Jack the Ripper. Anybody else have any other suggestions for if you like Gotham by Gaslight, you might like? Court of Owls. Court of Owls yeah. is great. Can't recommend City it. Owls. Just City of Owls. Anything bit. with Owls um, in the title. If you like the general, like the dark tones and then the like sharp colors or various things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, like, like I don't know the, I don't know much about the book or anything like that, but if you're into those, like, I don't know, oddly placed kind of characters in as far as like some of these were in like kind of a time that they don't really are aren't, don't typically exist in I'd check out Fables oh, oh yeah. that's that's another that's one that's like I kind of like it has that kind of noiry kind of feel where like you have these characters that are very very much out of place of where they are I supposed like to be yeah. if I had but to it pick, still works like 
for that particular deal. Fables might be my favorite comic book franchise. Um, like, like, period. Mm -hmm. Like, it might be. Another recommendation, if you like the Jack the Ripper aspect, but for some godforsaken reason, not the Batman aspect, uh, Alan Moore's From Hell, which is just a Jack mm -hmm. the Ripper story. Yeah. No. Be prepared for two things if you do go that route. Number, <laughs> number one... I think it's at least 500 pages. It's it's pretty. It's a lot longer than this. And number two, that art is rough. Yeah, that art is real rough. I, it took it took me. They made a choice with their artist. It it took me, I think, two magnifying glasses and a microscope to realize there was a man's penis I was looking at. It's also uh, it very heavily leans into a Jack the Ripper conspiracy. So please, for whatever reason, do not read that and then go oh this makes perfect sense this must be who jack the ripper was because i'm i'm so sick of uh that being an explanation that i hear from people and if you like alternate reality uh batman's definitely dark knight returns yeah like that that's about as alternate reality as you get but it's still like one of the better ones i like to be a hipster on that one and say it's overrated which i do think is true but it is still good it's still I, worth reading yeah i've read i've read it twice myself i will definitely read it a third time i've read most of the sequels have you guys read the sequels uh i read the, the first sequel yeah, and then i decided not to read anymore yeah that's right yeah dark it's noticeably worse noticeably okay worse. so the second one the dark knight strikes back mm. i did not like on the first read i read it a second time before i read dark knight 3 and i liked it more but Dark Knight 3 Master Race is pretty good. And there's a fourth one now, Dark Knight uh, The Golden Child. I would also like to read Frank Miller's uh, Superman, what was it, year one? I uh, I really like the first, the first two issues of Superman year one. I did not like the third issue, but the first two I thought were great. Yeah, that's been on my reading list for a while. Yeah. One last recommendation, and this is if you're like me, who sometimes comes in, like... To a podcast, if you will, <laughs> without reading the content that was actually talked about earlier. What's a podcast? <laughs> um, I, we mentioned earlier The Dark Knight Returns, uh, the book. Try the films. Uh, I, the, the DC animated films, there's two, they're technically two parts, but I think they, they have them now as like a two and a half hour yeah, movie. Yeah, they, they have a combined one. I don't even think they sell them I am one anymore. of those people where, like, if you, like, I had a hard time reading the first one because. <laughs> it's very wordy. It's very, it is, it's very wordy. While there are some, and like, there are some take backs from the, like, whenever they animated it, I think what they got out of it. Like what they were able to do with it ended up being a lot better than it could have been. Yeah. On the whole, I would say the Dark Knight Returns animated movie, like Year One, is one of the ones that's more true to the adaptation mm -hmm. or to the to the original book. Yeah, um, yeah, I think they're they're really good. And if you if you can't make it through the the book, definitely watch the movies because they're they're pretty great. Also, Peter Weller is old Batman. If you don't know that, that was also and he's a very, very good. He's very good. <laughs> that I think yeah. a certain segment of fans were too rough on. I don't. Th there's that. a segment of fans that if it's not Kevin Conroy, they throw a fit. Yeah, I can see that. So. <laughs> okay. Well, um, before we sign off here, I just got to give you all a preview of what's going on next. 
as we've said for the the past few episodes our next novel is going to be Stephen King's Firestarter we are going to cover that in our very next episode that episode is going to drop on April the 17th the following episode uh, the following week April the 24th we are going to cover the original movie Firestarter from 1984 starring my girl Drew Barrymore <laughs> Shut up. I love, <laughs> I love how excited he gets over Drew Barrymore time. Three fist bumps to himself right now. Um, and of course, we are doing this. Uh, this wasn't in our original schedule. We're doing this because of the new adaptation of uh, Firestarter. But the the following week, we're going to be on our next book, April 1st. We, we've been talking about it for months. May 1st. I'm sorry. May 1st. <laughs> we've been talking about it for months. We're finally starting Stephen King's It. Yes. His master thesis on horror. And, of course, we are breaking this book up into five different episodes. So the episode dropping May 1st, we are going to cover book one and the first interlude. The following week, we're going to cover Firestarter 2 Rekindled. Oh, boy. We're gonna, which is the two-episode miniseries, which is the sequel, which we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, and then we're going to be back the next week, May the 15th, with Stephen King's It Book 2 in the second interlude. May the 22nd, we are going to drop our episode on Firestarter 2022, the new movie. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Have, have you finished the book yet? No, I'm on page 400. When you finish the book go back and rewatch the trailer and I'm going to tell you, you're going to see that trailer and say, this looks nothing like the book but I'm still excited. Okay. Um, at least that's my opinion on it, but we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to our Firestarter episode and then the next week, uh, May 29th, we're going to continue with that book three and the third interlude. Uh, Hef, thank you very much for coming up for these two episodes. We are at some point later this year. We are going to cover Rumiko Takahashi's Mermaid Saga, yes. which we've already established. We're going to have you back for that. But I would love to talk you into reading, maybe not it, but <laughs> reading a horror novel and, and joining us back for that. I think if I can make a recommendation, if we're going to cover Salem's Lot later this year, which is a shorter Stephen King book and it's about vampires which I know vampires are sometimes in your wheel of house just putting it out there I'd love to have you on that episode oh, I mean uh, peer pressure peer pressure I mean I'm certain if we can get that set up I mean that's not a problem we're gonna be covering been trying that. to read more so that's definitely something I'm you know I'm we're gonna be covering that in September because the new movie comes out in September mm. or even if you don't read the book you could be one of our uh, you could watch one of the movies and be on our movie episode that'd be cool too and then you can be our perspective from somebody who hasn't read the book and has only seen the movie but it, you have an open invitation to uh to join any of our stuff sure uh, well it's, i mean i'm just glad to be here i mean i know we've you all talked about it for a while and since it was horror it was just like oh, i don't really feel like i have a lot to contribute as far as that so but, I mean, I could be enticed, and I mean, assuming I'm not completely uh, booked and or this episode hits a record low for your all's listening, then uh, you should if be... The record low would be in the negatives. <laughs> Prepare yeah. to be amazed. People will go back in time to unwatch the episode. 
they actually just delete their entire browser history, including their Google accounts. <laughs> We're being a little hard on ourselves. We are actually starting to get a few listeners. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. shout outs to you, uh, the people who are listening to this show. We, we deeply appreciate it. Daniel and I would probably keep doing it even if we only had one or two listeners, but uh, we're starting to get a few more, which I really appreciate. And for all of you who are listening, please uh, stay tuned. Uh, you're going to hear our socials. Definitely check out us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Ask for our Discord link. Join our Discord page. All that. All the specifics are coming up soon. The last thing I have to say to you tonight is thank you for listening and stay scary. Well, that was horrendous. I would tell you boys good job, but the dryness of my sarcasm would likely evaporate all the moisture in both your bodies. Anyway, if you want to hear more of this, try please subscribe to their YouTube channel by searching for The Horror of Babylon. You can follow them on Twitter at HorrorPod69. The Facebook page is under The Horror of Babylon. And on Instagram, these fools are The Horror of Babylon, one word. Reach their assuredly empty inbox at thehorrorofbabylonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also request their Discord server link via any other channel. And finally, if you are foolish enough to support this abomination financially, search for The Horror of Babylon on Patreon.com. And God save your soul if you do.